you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I didn't mean to tell everybody to stop talking. That's when those who are sorry see down to be able to do, to do this. I, lo- I love this passage of Scripture because it's so full of just such practical instruction to us. And uh, while you're looking at it, I-, I hope you've been reading along in the Bible. I hope you've been reading the Bible every day. If you have your own program, you're doing that, great. Uh, if you don't, uh, jump in with one of our with our Bible reading program, you get one of the flyers back in the back and just start where we're at right now. If you've missed a day or two, don't get discouraged. Just go back and start reading. You say, well, I'm getting to some things that I don't understand here or there. That's, read through them. Revelation will come as God wants revelation to come. He'll bring things to you. The more you read it, the more God will show to you. And he'll bring you to other things that are really good for you. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of people right now that are just telling me, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. And that's great. We just want to get you, get you started and start reading the Bible. It'll be transformational as you do this. God's Word does a work in us. It's living and active. And it cuts down to the very core of our being and does a work inside of us. Builds conviction, builds truth. And so we need to be diligent about understanding that if we're going to be able to stand strong in a shaking society, we have to be people founded in the Word of God. And we have to look at the Word of God not just to get weaponry to argue with, but to bring conviction into our spirit and to be transformed. And so I want to encourage you to keep reading the Word. We're, going to, we're talking, we've been talking these last couple of weeks about this aspect of being the light of the world. And what we're really talking about is the kind of culture we want to live in our fellowship. What we want people to discover when they come into our doors. Uh, how, how we're going to respond to people and love people and bring the gospel to our community. It's so important. We had a bunch of new people here Sunday. And it's so important that when people walk in the door on a Sunday morning and they're new, that they find a loving body of Christ that's interested in them, that loves them, that cares about them, and that ministers to them. And so we're trying to figure out how do we do that well. And so that's what we've been talking about. We're going to continue to talk about that for the next couple of Wednesday nights and then, then uh, I believe it's on the 12th of, of uh, October uh, Jeff and Abby Hunt will be with us and we're going to have them share things that are going on in South Africa and some of the things that we're supporting there you'll want to be here that night for that then on the 19th of October we're going to start a series called Chasing the Lion it's out of a book by Mark Batterson and uh, this is a, a great series. You're going to spend about five weeks doing that. You're going to really be encouraged. Your vision's going to grow in this. Your faith in God is going to grow in this series. It's going to be a great, great time together. And uh, so be praying about that and be thinking about it as we go. This scripture today is just full of instruction for us. It's full of practical instruction towards how the culture of a church is supposed to to act and it says let us consider how to stir one another up in loving good works we've talked about this before Uh, inside the culture of a church 
We need to be looking. How do we stir one another? How do we encourage each other? How do we stir one another up to love other people and to do good things? How do we encourage that in our small groups? How do we encourage that just in the life that we live? So it says, let us encourage, uh, consider how we, how we stir one another, uh, one another up to, lo- to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a culture of a, 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 a base culture for a church that we should be a coming into the church not just to be entertained ourselves but with this thought of how do I encourage other people and what do I want to encourage them towards I want to encourage them to love other people this is why gossip is so bad this is why negativity is so bad this is why being cutting towards other people is so bad it doesn't promote love it doesn't encourage people it doesn't move them towards love and good works And we need to encourage one another. And this is why when you see somebody do something good, we all need to celebrate it and talk about it and encourage each other in it. Are you with me today? Now that can't happen just because a pastor decides for it to happen. That doesn't happen because a board or a deacon group decides for it to happen. That happens as there is a growing core of people inside of that church that begin to do that. Listen, you're in a small group. It's fair game to ask, what ministry do you serve in to the other members in that group? You're not in a ministry? Hey, let me encourage you. There's all kinds of places you can get involved. Get involved. Do something. It's fair game. You, if, if you hear somebody and they're upset at somebody, it's fair game to say, brother, let's just talk, stop here and pray about how we can love each other. How, let's just pray about how we can forgive and what we need to do about this because we want to encourage each other to love and good works. When that becomes the prevalent nature of a church, you know, when somebody goes out the back door and says, wow, that guy... Uh, you know, got up there Sunday morning and they had him rap. I don't like rap. Why would they do that? That's terrible if they did that. The Christian's going to say, wait a second, do you know that guy's life? Do you know where that guy came from and what God's done in his life? Do you know how that young man's life's been changed by the gospel? You know what his faith, do you understand he's the first person in his family to even graduate high school? And that happened because Christians got involved in his life. That's something to celebrate, isn't it? This is a young man whose family has been full of all kinds of things, and he said, I want to find another way. And God's moved in his life. Some Christians got involved, some people surrounded him, helped him get into the academy, and this is a life that has changed for eternity. I think whether I like rap or not, I can rejoice with that. Don't you? We, you got to know this whole, the whole story. You know, I, I, I may not be a great person that loves opera, but if we had somebody in our church that sang opera, 
and their life have been transformed, let them sing. Let's rejoice in what God's doing. Amen? And if that's the way they want, they're going to be able to glorify God, why should my style limit my rejoicing with them and what God's doing? So I, I, there's, there's an atmosphere that we want to build of, of, of love and goodness. Now listen, I, I want you to understand this. I'll tell you a quick story. When, when back in the 60s, when the church was getting started, early 70s, uh, boys' hair uh, started getting long. Remember, how many of you remember that? How many of you had that long hair? Yeah, some of you. And, and the boys' hair, some boys' hair started getting long, and somebody said to my dad one day, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about those boys with long hair? Come to church. They said, I'm not going to do anything about it. They said, why not? That's, that's rebellion. That's rebellion. Dad goes, I'm going to let God worry about their hair. I'm going to worry about their soul. That's what I'm going to worry about. I'm going to let God worry about their hair. I'm going to worry about their soul. Guess what? That plays out in how people dress. Now, if somebody came in radically immodest, we would have to, we'd, we'd talk to them. But, you know, there's different dress styles different hair colors. I, don't, I, I just don't care. I just, I just don't care. The kid has purple hair. I, I could care less. He, I, the, only, the only thing I tell kids with, that do that is, I, I, told, I tell boys all the time, they come in with all their weird hair stuff, and I say, listen, I'm just telling you right now, if there's a girl that's attracted to you like that, you don't want her. <laughs> you don't want her. There's something wrong. As long as you're saying, I don't want to date anybody, then you're, you're okay. But if you want, to get, you want to get a good, righteous girl that really loves God, and really serves God, that's not, going to, that's not going to light her fire. There's got to be something besides that. So it, 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 it's not a, if it's not a sin issue, then we need to embrace one another. Racial things. Oh, my goodness, friends. I don't think anybody here disagrees with this. The enemy has tried to, tried to separate, us, separate us over racial issues, over age issues, over all kinds of just natural issues that nobody has any control over. And it's just, it's just evil. And when somebody walks in the church door, they should find a different response. They should find this culture of loving each other, of caring for each other of serving each other. And at the core, that's why I'm talking to this group on a Wednesday. We can do that. Amen. We can set the core. We can set the core base of what the culture is going to be like. And when our friends and our loved ones kind of roll their eyes and say, look at that over there, we can say, what about it? Aren't you glad they're at church? Aren't you glad they're in the house of God? Let's just pray that God really touches their life. And, you know, I'll tell you, today, I was walking out of a store, out of a restaurant, and this guy was out in the parking lot, and I looked at him, and he, he was tatted up. You know, he had tattoos on him, and he was kind of dressed a little shabby, and he was kind of, you know, smarting off to some people around him. And I'm thinking, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm a guy of the flesh, and you're thinking, that guy's just a mess, you know. What a, what a mess. And he walks over and gets in his truck. And on the back of his truck, as I drove out of the parking lot, I looked at a bumper sticker on his truck. You know what it said? Real men love Jesus. And I thought, there you go. 
Here, here's my flesh. I'll get in judgmental on this guy because he looks a little different than me and acting a little different than what I'm comfortable with. And he's got on the back of his bumper sticker, real men love Jesus. That's one of my brothers in Christ. Be careful how we judge, isn't it? Be careful how we judge. So here's my call. We want to build this culture where we love people. And with that, it calls for patience. Love is patient. What what, what are we talking about? We're talking about when when somebody comes in and gets saved, they don't become a full-grown Christian tomorrow. They still got all this stuff. And especially in our culture today, they don't know what needs to change. I've been around Christians, baby Christians, doing all kinds of things, saying things, acting ways that weren't the coming of the kingdom, wasn't worthy of the actions of Christ. Our job is to help move them there. Amen? Amen? Our job is to begin to speak to that, but we got to have relationship and got to love them to be able to say, brother, let me just tell you, uh, let's, let's talk about what you just said there. Let me tell you, that, that, that probably doesn't glorify God the way you want to glorify God. But you have to be patient. You have to be a little bit of long-suffering and, and to help a brother or sister grow in Christ. I'm grateful for the people who were patient with me when I was a, a young guy, full of bad choices, trying to live for God, full of myself, not as full of Christ as I needed to be, immature, and that there were Christians around who said, yeah, he's going to grow up someday. Let's help him. My dad helped me a lot. Are you with us? That's what what the mature believer does. The mature believer, instead of being judgmental, is loving and it's kind. He looks at them as brothers and sisters who need to grow. He, he, he looks at the, at the people who are weaker as ones who need, who need to gain strength. And he's patient. He doesn't get sucked up into it. He doesn't become a part of it. He becomes a part of bringing healing to it. Now, let me, let me go on and talk to you a little bit more about this, how, how we set atmosphere. Atmosphere is determined so much. We've talked about all these things that we, that we should be doing But one of the biggest aspects of atmosphere that changes atmosphere is prayer. Think about the times in the Word where we are told about some aspect of things where prayer makes a difference. So you go into into the book of Acts and they have begun to persecute the disciples and they've, told, they've begun to beat them, begun to harm them, and they've sent them out and sent them home after beating them real good. And they get together, and you think it's going to be woe is me, but they begin to pray. And the prayer that comes out of that is, God, fill us with boldness to proclaim your... They're setting the atmosphere that prayer is going to set the atmosphere. They're asking God to move in them that no matter what the atmosphere of the community is, their spirit would be right. They would be filled with boldness. They would proclaim boldness. We find, you know, Paul in the jail cell worshiping God. 
rejoicing in who God is. And the atmosphere changes from one of hopelessness to the jail cell being, bro- being shaken and the, the bonds on them being broken. There's a there's symbolism in there that God wants us to see that when we choose to do what's right, then what he does comes afterwards. And it begins this. So I would tell you, you want to you see people, how many want to see people healed? <laughs> then then and just, I got a testimony this week of a lady came down from one of our prayers. She came down, she had a, a growth on the back of her leg. And it was right underneath the skin. And they, our prayer teams prayed for her. And she said, it's gone. Right there, gone. Praise God. God, I, I tell people who get healed, if you get sick, come get prayed for. I, I come every time. Get prayed for. Ask God to move in your life. But I want to tell you, there's an atmosphere that we build that invites the miracle working power of God in. And part of that atmosphere is we come in into his gates with thanksgiving into our, in our hearts, into his courts with praise. We come into this place saying, as a believer, no matter how I feel today, God is worthy of my praise. We can talk about all the things of why we should praise and worship God. The key number one reason is he's worthy of my praise. He's worthy. And so we come in with this attitude and we worship God and we praise God and atmospheres change. Hard hearts get softened. Faith gets built. Discouragement gets cast off. Bitterness gets healed. All kinds of things happen as we set an atmosphere. We pray for atmosphere. You want to do something, make a real difference, then then. Pray every day. Pray for the pastors. You know, I've got to get up here almost every week, once or twice, and say something hopefully worthwhile. I'm going to tell you, it's going to become more living to you when you're praying for it. it pray for the pray, pray that we don't get discouraged. Pray that we have make right choices. Pray that we have freedom when we counsel and talk with people as we do almost every day. Pray, as we, pray just, just when you just think about it, just say, God, wherever they're at, let your anointing be upon them today. Amen. That'll change atmospheres. God, give them favor with people. When they, when they speak your word, God, let it penetrate. That's what I pray, God, when I'm speaking your word. Let it cut to the core of people's hearts. Let it move in people's lives. Let it do your work in them. Because I certainly don't want to do my work. So you pray. You pray for the church. God, as a church, let us love each other. God, as a church, let, let, let us be a holy people, a righteous people. Let us be a people, Father, who love our community and serve our community. Give us ways to do that, Lord. If you're a tither, pray for those who aren't tithers. God, help them to understand the blessing that comes when they're obedient to you. Why? It changes an atmosphere. It opens the door for the Spirit of God to come in. You have not because you ask not. We've got to ask for things to happen. God is determined that we have to do that. This, I'm just going to tell you, this works in your home. It works in your life. If, if a seed of this world gets in your home, you're not going to argue it out. You're going to pray it out. 
Are you with me? This is to understand how spiritual things work. That's why there's got to be a core of people in church praying, God, keep us holy. Keep the church centered. Keep us moving the right direction. Keep us, Father, committed wholly to you. Don't let the church drift from one thing to another thing. Let us not be swayed by the doctrines of men or by the whatever hot thing comes along tomorrow, even in the Christian world. Let us be about your purpose all the time. Amen. All the time. God, and then, and then pray, God, heal, heal sick people in our church. Heal them. Let the word begin to go out. Sick people get healed. Let the word begin to go out, Lord. Addicted people get set free. Let the word begin to go out that depressed people get delivered. Let, let the word go out, God, that you're doing a work in people's lives. Now, as we pray for that, I want to tell you, an atmosphere of faith grows because that is the first step of faith is us praying. But sadly, what a lot of Christians do is go, oh, you know, why isn't, why, aren't, why isn't anybody getting healed? Now, my question always is, how much are you praying for people to get healed? How many, how many hours have you spent asking God, heal people, deliver people, set people free, let the saved get lost, fill us with boldness to be a witness, let us love each other? We set the atmosphere. We get, we, we, we get to do that. God's ready. God's always ready. We get to set the atmosphere. So the call, my call to you is, boy, on your prayer, if you don't have a prayer list, make one. It's things you want to pray about every day. I want to pray for my mom. I want to pray for my cousin. I want to pray for the church. I want to pray for pastors. I want to pray for services. And it, get, listen, it doesn't have to be a half an hour a day. It can just be God today. Move in our church. We have Christians all across this city, Father. Fill them with boldness to be a witness today. Give us opportunities today to be a witness for your glory. But prayer is one of the practical things we do to set an atmosphere of faith. I really believe that the two biggest hindrances, I could probably say three, but I'll give you the two that I think are the biggest, to revival and the outpouring of God's Spirit in America today is not in any particular order. I'm not sure which one's worth. One is the stinginess of the church. And this isn't everybody. Understand this. But every statistic tells us today that across America, Christians give total giving about 2%, a little over 2% of their income. The Bible says, God, God says in, in, Ma, in, in Malachi, you're under a curse, the whole, the whole nation of you. We want, this, this is what our speaker said Sunday. You want the blessing of God, become obedient to God. So th this is one of the problems facing America today and why I believe the church is anemic and weak and not as powerful and the forces of the enemy seem to have more influence on our culture than the church does. It's why even though we're one of the largest minorities in the nation the evangelical church we have one of the least most least powerful voices and why some of the smallest minorities in our nation seem to have huge voices huge voices i mean this whole transgender thing folks it's less than one percent of the people in our nation and their voice is huge today huge and we're told to shut up are, are you hearing me there's a reason for that. It's a spiritual thing. 
when our voice should bring conviction, our voice should bring the anointing of the Spirit, our voice should bring the light of truth to bear in things. Instead, we're told, get away from us. Now, here's the second reason. The second reason is because we're not praying for our nation enough. It's not praying enough. We've got to pray. We've got to seek God. And then we've got to do what God tells us to do. So praying for our city, praying for other church members, uh, seeking God in these ways. So, so hear me. I'll, I'll give you one last thing on prayer. Prayer should be common among us. What does that mean? That means when you're standing out in the entryway and somebody says, man, I'm, I've got a big decision to make it work this week. Bro, let's, pray, let's pray about it right now. This is right here. People coming and going. People should come in here and see us praying all the time. Oh, you know, I'm having trouble with my teenager. Well, man, let's pray about it right now. Prayer should just be common. You know, we try to give advice, and what we really need to give is the Holy Spirit. And, and so let, let prayer be common. If you're out, at, you're out at lunch with somebody and they share something with you, look and say, you know what? I, I'm a Christian. Can I just pray for you? Do you mind if I just pray for you? Maybe they say, no. Okay, well, I'm going to pray for you on my own then. But they might say, here? Yeah, right here, right now. Listen, people are cursing and doing all this stuff around us. Why shouldn't we be able to pray right here and right now? This just needs, we just need to set a culture in our city that this is just a natural outcome, a natural thought. In my life, there's so many times I go home after being someplace and I think, why didn't I take any pictures today? Why didn't I take any pictures? I got my phone with me. Why didn't I take any pictures? I shouldn't have taken pictures today. My kids don't think that. It's natural in their culture. I'm still overcoming the fact that I have a, I have a camera with me every place I go. I'm still not used to that. I haven't been carrying one around for five or six years. I'm still not used to it. They're very used to it. And so you see pictures of everything when you look at, at, at your kid's stuff. This is what I'm talking about. We've got to change our culture so that we think differently, so that the right things are natural, so that when somebody says something to us, the response isn't, oh, that's too bad, I'm so sad for you, yeah, I'll be thinking about you, uh, well, I'll pray, maybe, maybe even I'll pray for you and you think, yeah, tomorrow. No, right then. Right then. Let that be common among us. Just let it be common among us. And let God move because we trust him. Is this good? Uh, we're talking about the kind of culture we want to have. The kind of people we want to be. Uh, the kind of thing God wants us to do. And I'm telling you, he's not looking for an angry church. He's looking for a loving church. We may be disturbed there's things that disturb me, and I know they disturb you, but we've got to be a loving church, a loving people, as Jesus was loving. I'll share this last thing with you, and we'll be done. Uh, Jesus called some people names. You ever notice that? He called some people snakes, called them hypocrites. He called all sorts of people names. 
You know, you know who he didn't call names to? The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners. You know who he called names? The Pharisees, the religious. He was trying to shake them out of something. He was patient, patient with the sinners. He was patient with them. And this is the call. Be patient, be loving, be kind. Don't compromise. Patience is not compromise. Patience is putting yourself in a place where you can speak lovingly into people's lives. 